She grabs him, and then she, we said, we cut off her hand, which doesn't mean cut off her hand, of course, it means to pay money, and that is the idea of Baishas. But the Pasuk says, It's a strange Lashon to use in this Pasuk, right? They're obviously fighting. Why is he calling them Ish V'Achiv? It's talking about someone who has brothership. An Evid Kanani does not have brothership on, on two sort of levels. Rashi says in our Gemara over here, the gears that we have in Rashi says, that because he's not allowed to marry into the Kal. If he's not allowed to marry into the Kal, he's not considered a member of the Kal. The Gersa that's brought on the side, B'Shem Rashi, which is a slightly Different Gersha says that he's mutter ba'achoisai, right? He's like a ger. And a ger is mutter ba'achoisai. He's not considered a brother at all. And Eshazakim, all these things he's totally mutter on because he's like a ger, sort of. And therefore, he's not considered part of Ish v'achiv. And the Pazik is coming to specifically, specifically by Vaishas. And as we explained yesterday, not because he's not embarrassed. It's not like a person who's naked or something like that who doesn't have embarrassment. He physically has emotional embarrassment. But the Torah says exercise there is no din of paying Baishas to an Evid, according to Behuda. Rabbana, and the Rabbana disagree with that. Mitzvah. They said he is your Achiv. Yes, maybe some of the Dine Arayas are different by him because because he comes from a different type of family, obviously, a Geris type of family. But Lamaisa, he's Chaivin Mitzvah's Kiisha. If he's Chaivin Mitzvah's Kiisha, he's called Achiv. So we're arguing here, what is the definition of the word Achiv? According to the Rabbanan, anybody who's Chaivin Mitzvah's like a Jewish person is Achiv. According to Rabbi Yehuda, no. It has to be someone who has Dine Achiv in terms of Arayas. According to Behuda, who says that a Evid Kenani is not in the parish of Achiv, there's other places in the Torah where he uses the word Achiv. Do we exclude Evid Kenani from that, for instance? If two people testify that an Evid Kenani killed somebody, okay, so you would kill the Evid Kenani, assumingly. If those two Edim are found to be Zaymimim, what do you do to them? Look how you do to them, Edim Zaymim. But the Pasuk says, the Pasuk calls him over there, Achiv. Achiv. So if you tell me that Evan Kanani is not called Achiv, so then maybe there should be no din of Edim Zaymim by someone who testifies against Ed Evan Kanani. So you're right. Theoretically, you're right that the word Achiv, according to Yehuda, that definition would not, even by Edim Zaymim, would not include an Evan Kanani. But Amarkral, the Pasuk says in general, and therefore, Biata Rabbi Kibbeka says we always want to get rid of people who are bad. which doesn't mean that we always kill Adam Zaymim. Obviously, if we learn Masechtas Marcus, we'll see there's many examples where we don't kill Adam Zaymim. But this, the Mefarsh will explain, the Biata Rabbi Kibbeka allows us to expand at least the definition of Achiv. So even though Yehuda says normally Achiv would exclude an Evet Kanani, since he is at least Achiv B'Mitzvah, we will include him in the Adam Zaymim version of Evet of Achiv, and say over there it is including. An Evid Kenan. Okay, what about the opposite way? Elameyata, according to the Rabbanu, who says the word Achiv does include Evid Kenani, Evid Yekoshel and Malchus, the Pasuk says, by a Melech, Saim Tosim Alech Melech, Ashev Chavashem Lekecha Boy, Mikerev Achecha Tosim Alech Melech. 
that from your achecha, from your brothers, you should include, you should be make a king. So according to Yehuda, and every Kenani is automatically excluded from that. But according to that button, that if you're achiv b'mitzvah, you're in the parsha of achiv. So does that mean every Kenani could be a melech? We know the Gemara says that, you, as we'll see in a second, can't even make a ger or a son of a ger even cannot be a melech. It has to be any type of position of srara has to be miyuchis. So why it says achecha and achecha should include every Kenani? What about a ger? Now, it doesn't mean a ger directly. Rashi says, even this, if the mother was Megayer and the child was born from that, also that child is puzzled for, for being a melech if the father is not Jewish. The Divriyakol, and that everybody agrees to, by Malchus is different. And when from Mikarev means it's not just to be Achiv is not good enough, it has to be the best, the cream of the crop, to be able to be a Melech. And therefore, when it comes to being a Melech, we exclude a Ger, we exclude Evan Kanani, all those are excluded, even if you say Evan Kanani is included in Achiv, it's not definitely not Mikarev Achecha, and therefore he's going to be excluded from that. Okay? Kerev, why say Kerev? Me'achecha. Kerev means from the best, not from all, even from a subset. From a soul like me, okay? Elamayatal says, but there's other places where it says Ochiv or Achecha. The Rabbanon who say that Ochiv includes Evid Kanani, Ye Evid Koshali Edus, an Evid should be Koshali Edus. Dixivihine, Eid Sheker, Eid Sheker, Eid Sheker, Ono, Be Ochiv. And therefore, if it says Ochiv, it should include an Eid. It should include an Evid Kanani as well. And we know that Evid Kanani is like an Isha, like a Katan, etc. And Evid Kanani is puzzle. Li Edus. But why? He's in the Parsha. Ochiv. Says the Amar Ula, Edus le Matzasam. No, no, no. Edus is a whole different story. Why is this Ochiv by Edus? That's an interesting question. And the Ochiv by Edus maybe would theoretically include Evid Kanani, like the Rabbanat said. But by Edus, there's many other reasons why an Evid is excluded from the Parsha. Isa edus bekavochaimer mi isha, because an evid kanani would be possible for edus kavochaimer from an isha. Ma isha shiroi lava bekal. An isha is totally mutter to marry into the kal. Psula liedus, she is definitely going to be psula liedus. Rashi says the chsiv gabedim zaymim vamdu shnei anoshim, and Rashi brings the gemara and shvuas bedim zaymer kosov v'daber demashma anoshim v'loy noshim. Over there is the gemara sakosov that women are excluded from edus. So if women are excluded from Edus, and they're mutter lover bekal, evid shein roi lover bekal, enudin shapasuliedus. So don't tell me that it says achiv or anything like that. There's nothing to do with anything. Once a woman is pasuliedus, then an evid kenani has to also be pasuliedus from kavuchaimer because he's worse than a woman when it comes to his ability to love the kal. So what are you talking about? On some aspect, a woman is worse than an evid kenani. A woman is not in the parsha of Brismila. Now, Taisa says it's because she's physically not possible, but still, Taisa says it's enough to make a kasha on a kavachimer, whereas an Evid Kanani is in the parsha and is mechoyev. An Evid Kanani does get a Brismila. So maybe just because an Isha is possible from Edos does not necessarily mean that an Evid Kanani should be possible from Edos. We know a cotton is also possible the Edos. Rashi says from the same pasuk of Anoshim that we just quoted to Pasol from women, we also possible. So, Ketanim. Now, a cotton is in the parish of Brismila. Sheyeshim b'milu, apostle liedus. And therefore, you cannot learn out anything that the soul of an Isha is going to be related to the fact that she doesn't have a Mila, because you, which is now in the parish of Mila, because you see a cotton 
is in the parsha of Mila. Malakotan she'enim ba mitzvahs. What are you going to say? If a katan is different because he does not mechuyiv in any mitzvahs as opposed to an isha or an eved. Tamer be eved she be mitzvahs isha techiach she isha be mitzvahs or pasliyes. A woman is mechuyiv in mitzvahs. At least some of the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs that an eved is mechuyiv in, right? And yet she's pasliyes. V'chazor din lori zekarizeh lori zekarizeh at tzara shavet. What is it tzara shavet between isha and a katan? She can enim bechol mitzvahs. It's an interesting way of being magdirate. A woman is not mechuyiv in mitzvah seishas van grama. A katan is not mechuyiv in any mitzvahs, and therefore also an eved upsul liheid afan evias eved shein bechal mitzvahs upasul liheid. So therefore, an eved kanani also just since he has like an isha that he's at least potter in mitzvah seishas van grama, he would also be not bechal mitzvahs. And anybody who's not bechal mitzvahs is pasul liheid. So maybe an eved kanani is called achiv, but he's still going to be pasul liheid, just like an isha, like a katan. So what do you mean? And a cotton and an isha are both not an ish. An isha is not an ish. And a cotton is not an adult ish. Whereas an Evid Kanani is an adult ish. And if he's an adult ish, ish. And therefore he should be included in the anoshim that the Pasuk talked about that excluded a woman and excluded a cotton should definitely not exclude an Evid Kanani. Maybe an Evid Kanani is better than both an isha and a cotton. And therefore, if he is in the parish of Achiv, like the Rabbanon said, then why are we puzzling an Evid Kanani for Edus? So, because we have other psulim. We have a psul called Gazan, but which is an adult man who would normally be kosher Edus, but since he steals stuff, the Pasuk says, as Rashi brings, so we darshan, someone who steals is puzzle Edus, even though he is an Ish. Malagazan shekein ma'isav garmila. What are you going to say? No, maybe a, a gazan is different because he did something to cause himself to be pasuliyedus. He did an avera, as opposed to an evan who didn't do anything. He was just born this way. Tamer be'evet shein ma'isav garmiloi. So therefore, maybe that's different. Now, uh, therefore, we can't necessarily learn from gazan. So we're not learning from isha directly because an isha we said is not a mila. We're not learning from a cotton. He's not an ish. We don't want to learn from a goslin because maybe a goslin is different because he caused himself to be postulated. So says, well, you're right. But you could definitely learn out from a tzara shover between a goslin and an isha. A goslin caused himself to be postulated, and isha did it. An isha is not a man, but a goslin is, and yet we see they're all postulated. What is the tzara shover? Rashi says an interesting tzara shover. She'enan zahirin, Rashi says, bechol mitzvahs. That's an interesting hagdara. But a goslin and an isha are not careful about mitzvahs. Right? A woman's not careful about mitzvahs, because she's not mechuyiv in them. A goslin's not careful about mitzvahs, because he doesn't care about them. So also an Evid Kanani, who also is not careful in all mitzvahs, because he's not mechuyiv in all of them, he's also going to be pasuliyed. So the more is coming out, that would be the lima, that even if you hold like the Rabbanan, that the Pasuk of Ochiv does include Evid Kanani, still an Evid Kanani is going to be pasuliyed, because of the Tzana Shava between Isha, Koton, and Goslin. And if we have no kasha on the Shittas Rabbon. Marbar Avinu, Amar, another Makar, that in Evid is Pasuliedus. Amar, 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 Lo Yamusu Avais Albanim. Interesting Pasuk. Pasuk says, Lo Yamusu Avais Albanim. Ubanim Lo Yamusu Avais Ish Bechetai Yumasu. So the most Pashup shot the Pasuk says, each person gets punished only for the various he did. A child does not get punished for the various a father does. A father does not get punished for the various a child does. And everybody only dies for the other Obviously that doesn't, we don't need a pasuk to tell me that. So the, the simplest drusha we make for this pasuk the Gemara and Hedrim Rashi brings is that a child cannot testify against a 
father, and a father cannot testify against the child. It's a din in edus. Here the Gemara is using this Pasuk a little bit differently, and making a play on words in the Pasuk. He said like this, Loyamusu avais al-bonim, meaning, Loyamusu al-pi avais she'elem chayis bonim. You cannot be an aide and testify, a father, meaning an adult, if he doesn't have chayis bonim, if his children are not miyuchis after him, which is only by an evid, right? A ger has his children, miyuchis after him, and evid kenani, his children are not his, his children are owned by the others, nothing to do with him, that type of person is pasal liyedus. So you read it, leyamusu avais, an adult cannot testify, al bonim, if he does not have proper yichus to his own children. Twist on the words. Stepson? It's not considered his son. Seemingly not considered his son. It's not his stepson. It's his biological son. It's much more than his stepson. Not, I don't know. I'm not sure. Says the Gemara, but he has no chayas. We definitely know he's not considered related to that. I don't know how far we take it. Says the Gemara, these sacrifices. If the if the shot in the pasuk is like we normally say that they just can't testify a father for a son, so so then kedamrina lo yamusu avesal bonim beedus bonim that it means that you cannot testify for our child. So then lichter rachmana lo yamusu lo yamusu aves al binehem their children. If it just meant that a father can't testify against his own child, it shouldn't have said banim, which is sort of generic. It should have said b'nehem, your own children. My banim, why does it say generically? Shemami says, and therefore it's also excluding a Evid Kenani from Edos. But what about the second half of the Pasuk? second half of the Pasuk says, And according to what you're drashening, what would that Pasuk be saying? It would be the opposite. That you cannot be an aid if you don't have a yichus to your father. The first part of the Pasuk was saying you can't be an aid if you don't have yichus to your children. Here it's saying, You can't be an aid if you don't have yichus to your father. Who is that? That's a ger. Does that mean a ger is pasul liedus? So an eleger hachanami the pasul liedus and a ger is not pasul liedus. We never see anywhere that there a ger is pasul liedus. A kanani is pasul. A ger, a male ger is kosher liedus. Why? According to where you're dashing this pasuk, the second half of the pasuk should be memaya the ger. So I can explain to you the difference. Ger need enu chayes lamayla, even though he doesn't have any yichus to his, his the previous generation. But lamati eshu chayes, a ger does have a relationship with his own children. Lafuki eved enu chayes lo lamata v'loy lamata. Whereas an eved has no relationship to his parents, he's a ger, and he has no relationship to his children, they're owned by the other, and therefore an eved in that aspect is worse than a ger. Says Madi Sakodaita Ger Pasul the Edus. If you're going to tell me the pasuk is telling me, then in a Chanabi, just like an eved's pasul, a ger is pasul. Then we can wrap it all into one drasha. We wouldn't need two psukim. Why? Lichter Rachmana, the pasuk could say, Loyamusu avais al b'nehem likadamrina, and that would teach me the first part. Loyamusu be'edus banim, that parents cannot testify for children. Children cannot testify for parents. And v'nichter Rachmana u banim loyamusu al avais. Just say the second half. The shamat mina tray. You would see both. Chada loyamusu banim be'edus avais ve'idach loyamusu al pi banim she'endem chayes avais, and you would see that a ger is puzzle because he's not related to his parents. And once we know that a ger is puzzle because he's not related to his parents, an evid is at least a ger, if not worse. Right? If you're going to tell me a ger is puzzle because he's not related to his father, that automatically includes an evid. If anything, an evid is worse because not only is he not related to his father, he's not related to his children. 
And the fact that the Torah doesn't say it that way, and it didn't she apostolate but the Torah doesn't say it that way. And that is clearly talking about an Eved, because it's focusing on a person who doesn't have Yichos to his children, which is only an Eved, not a Ger. Why does the Torah have to mention an Eved? No, we see from that, Eved, Shein Lech Chayes Or Lema 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 Tu Deposel Yedus. Of a Ger, Chimit Sheyeshu, at least Chayes Lema is related to his children, down, Koshel Yedus. And therefore, Fuch says the Gemara, from the fact that the Torah talks about an Eved at all in this Pesach, in this play on words, it clearly means only an Eved and not a Ger. And therefore, we have Fuch, we see from here, a Ger is Koshel Yedus, and this would be another Makar than an Eved, even if he's in the parish of Achiv, he's still going to be Pesach Yedus from this Pesach of Loyamus. Vechitem, if that's the case, why does it not say it that way? It says, If it's not going on a ger, But the truth is, it doesn't have to say it that way. It could say, Their specific parents... But once it said the first half, generically, to exclude an Eved, and not just to exclude real relationships of father and son, so the second half of the Pesach also said it generically. So we come out, two or three Makaris, why an Eved cannot is Pesach According to Behuda, he's not in the Parsha of Achim. According to the first Peshat Rabbana, it's, it's a Tzada Shava between Isha, Koton, and Agaza. And according to Madre Ravina, it's from this Pesach of the Musu Abbas Albana, from there also we see you have to have Yichius, or Yachas, the relationship with the children for you to be in the parsha of Edus. Moving on to the next halacha in the mission. Next halacha in the mission said that a cherish of a shaita is a pikiyasun ra. We said a cherish of a shaita are not mechuyev mitzvahs. They have no chiyav. If they damage somebody, then they don't have to pay. Whereas if they get damaged, you do have to pay them. And then we said an isha and an eved is going to have the same problem, but a little bit different. An isha and an eved are pikiyasun ra because they don't have money. And a Hanami, if she gets divorced, eventually she's going to have to pay any hezek she did while she was married. But while she is married, she has no financial uh, interest over here. She has no money. If she has no money, if she's a mazik, she's going to be potter. And the husband does not have to pay on her behalf. Right? The husband doesn't have to pay on her behalf. Nobody pays. Now, the Gemara now is going to go off, off topic for a couple days now and bring us back to Mesechtas Ksubas. I'm sure we all remember Mesechtas Ksubas very clearly. Uh, but in case not, we'll just do a quick Chazar. The Gemara's focus of this, of this next sugi is going to be why do we assume that an Isha has no money? Okay? There are three sources of money that an Isha has when she is married. Okay? On the most basic level, and this is what we won't get to tomorrow, she is eventually, not necessarily, but a good chance she's going to have a ksuba coming to her. If the husband dies first, or if the husband divorces her, she's going to get a ksuba. Now, right now, she doesn't have that money. But from an investment perspective, she could theoretically sell an investment interest in her ksuba. Right? Anybody who invests in stocks or you know, shorting stocks and stuff like that, you can go, she could theoretically say, I'm getting 200 zoos for my, for my ksuba, and I'm willing to sell it to you now for you know, 85 zoos or 150 zoos, depending on the risk factors and you know, all the actuaries and all that stuff. She could theoretically sell a vested interest in her ksuba. No one's going to pay full value because you don't know for sure she's going to get it. But there's at least a vested interest that she could sell that money. And the Chaira, since she could sell that money, sell that ksuba and have money, she should be able to pay, do that. She should be forced to do that so she could pay the hezek that she did. 
Mar doesn't say you do that. We're going to have to understand why. There's another two sources of money that she has. And that is Nechosim that she brings into the marriage. Okay, when she brings into marriage, she brings in two types of Nechosim. One's called Nechsei Melug, and one's called Nechsei Tzayim Barzal. Nixi Malug means she brings in fields to the marriage. The husband uses those fields for the entire marriage. He gets the payers from those fields. And at the end of the marriage, those fields go back to her in whatever state they are. Another type of um, uh, uh, field she brings in the marriage called Nixi Tsarn Barzel. Those, they decide how much they're worth at the time that they get married. They're written into the ksuba how much they're worth. And at the end of the marriage, whatever it is, she gets those back. These are family estates. She gets them back at the predetermined value that was determined before it. So again, Nixi Malug. It's not based on the actual value what they were at the time of the marriage. It's based on whatever they are. It doesn't matter. And Nixay Tzern Barzal, they always have to be returned at at least the same value as that they were at the time of the marriage. Now, both of those things are somewhat hers. They're hers. They're what they ha- she has what we call a Kenyan Aguf in those types of Nechassim. The husband has the Kenyan Aperis. The husband gets to use the pairs from those fields during the marriage, but she owns the Kenyan Aguf. So the question is going to be, what is her ability to do business with those fields during the marriage? Now, she cannot take them away from the husband during the marriage. The husband has a Kenyan Aperis on them. But can she sell them now, and it will take effect when the husband's out of the way? Futures. For futures. She's selling futures in it. Can she sell futures in such a field? And if she could, then she has money. And if she has money, she has to pay the Hezek. Okay? And that could work by all these types of fields. And that's going to be the focus of this entire Gemara. But the Gemara starts out in left field in the middle of Mesechtus Ksubis, and eventually tomorrow we'll come back to this question. So the Gemara starts like this. Ema de Rav Shmuel bar Abba, Mihugrunya, his mother of Rav Shmuel bar Abba, his father's name was Abba, having no similar of Abba. She was married to Rav Abba, it's a different Rav Abba. Okay? It's not the same father. She was married to two people named Rav Abba. One, she had a child, Shmuel. It doesn't say what happened. And then she married a second one. Now, when she married the second Rav Abba, she brought these Nechassim into the marriage. Okay? Nechsim alone. Kazvinul and Nechsim alone, Rav Shmuel bar Abba. So she wanted to make sure, normally when a woman dies, who's Yerish the, the wife? The husband. She wa- right? The husband is Yerish wife. She wanted to make sure that these Nechassim will not go out of her family into her husband's family. So she said, if I die, I want these fields to go to my son, and they should stay in my family, not to, not to this father, not to his stepfather, but to Shmuel Barab himself. That's what she did. So, Basa the Shechiva, when she dies, and now a fight breaks out, who would have thought, right, between Shmuel Baraba and his stepfather over these fields. So, a fight breaks out, who owns these fields? Now, does she have a right to sell these fields to her son, or in this case, she wasn't even selling, she was giving up a matana to her son during the marriage? She did that. Yeah, it was after Shmuel. Yeah, 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 of course. So also of Shmuel bar Abba, Kamei Rav Yirmiyah bar Abba. So they went to the Bezin of Yirmiyah Abba. Ukme benichse. He said that if Shmuel bar Abba gets it. She was allowed to give it b'matana to Shmuel bar Abba, and her husband does not have any rights to it now. Now during the marriage, when they were married, of course the husband does. But it's talking about when she dies now, who gets them now? So they, the fight was not settled so simply. Azar of Abra, Amr Lamilsa commanded Rashi. Of Abra was, you know, he, he, he went to the next Bezdin up the chain, and he said, It's not fair, they're taking the fields away from me. It's my Nechsimalug, I get them. So they went to Ravashi, Azar of Aisha, Amr commanded of Yehuda. So Ravashi said, I'm not sure, let's go talk to Rabbi Yehuda. Amalei, Hachi Amar Shmuel, Yehuda, who was a Tamil by Shmuel, said, All I know is what Shmuel said. And Shmuel Paskin, Ha'isha Shemachsu, Menichse Melog, Bechai Baila, Umeis Baila, Umeis, saw, and she dies, Habal Maitsim Yad the sale is not good. 
the husband has first dibs on these fields. If the husband dies and the Isha gets her Nechsem Elog back, fine. Then the sale she made was a good sale. But if the woman dies first, then it turns out that it was always the husband's and she had no right to sell it and therefore it goes to the husband. And in this case, therefore, it should go to the father, not to Rav Shmuel Barabba. So it still wasn't over. So they went to another bezin of He says, look, you can sit and argue all you want. It's a Mishnah. And if it's a Mishnah, the Yukhari cannot argue on the Mishnah. What's the Mishnah? The Mishnah is like this. This is not... We have a Mishnah. The Mishnah says like this. The Mishnah says, You're talking about a father over here, not a mother. A father says he wants a certain field to go to his son. He has a bunch of sons, and he wants one to go to a specific son. While at La'achar La'achar means that right now I'm going to continue to use it, but after Misa, you're going to get it. Okay, so therefore it really belongs to the son, but the father is going to be eating the pears in the meantime. So Ben any So now, what is the status now while the father is still alive? So Ben any The son cannot sell these fields to somebody else because the father is using the field still now. The father cannot sell them. He already gave them over. Kenyan Aguf is already given over to the son. So right now their field is in limbo. No one can sell. Good. Continues the Mishnah. Let's say the father does sell them. So, they're sold for the Paris that will grow until the father dies. That he could, right? They're his. Those Paris are his. He's allowed to sell a right to those Paris until he dies. Once he dies, the field is now totally to the sons. If the son tries to sell it, now the son is not eating the Paris now. The father's eating the pears, but the son has the Kenyanat Guf. The son tries to sell it. So then, the, since the father still has the schus Paris, the Lekuch does not own this field until the father dies. When the father dies, he gets it. When the father dies, now the Kinyan Haguf of the son kicks in, and the sale is now going to be a good sale. And you can do that. Since he had a schus in the field, you're allowed to sell it for the future when you will own the full rights to it. Now, that's the mission, says the Gemara. What happens if, well, let's, let's go through people over here. So, right, so Yaakov owns this field, and he gives the field, the Kenyan Aguf, and the field to his son, Reuven. Okay. So we said, Reuven cannot sell it. Now Yaakov cannot sell it. Now if Reuven wants to sell it to take effect later after Yaakov dies, he could. If Yaakov wants to sell it afterwards, he can sell it till the death, not afterwards. What happens if Reuven dies before Yaakov? So if Reuven dies before Yaakov, he never actually got the full rights to the field. So was his sale a good sale? Well, the Mishnah does not differentiate. The Mishnah said, when Yaakov dies, the sale that Muvain made is a good sale. Even though it never actually became Ruvain's, the Kenyan Paris here never actually became Ruvain's, still, once Yaakov died, the sale that Ruvain made works to my friend that it was always going to be this Lokech's field. Why? Because Rishlakish over here now explains Pshat in the Mishnah. Whether Ruvain died first, so therefore he never actually got the schus. If the father died first, it works. And what do we see? Before we get to the Kasha, the Mishnah is going to focus on Pshat in this Mishnah, the Itma. Machara ben Bechayav, Umesa ben Bechayav. Mamish, our question, which is if the father sells it to the son, and now the son goes out and sells it, but he never actually got it, the son dies. Reuven dies before Yaakov is ever nifter. 
Did Ruvain's sale actually end up working? So Rabbi says, Loi kanalekech. No, the son never owned the field. What's the Machlaikis? The Mark explains. When the Misha that we just quoted said, that when the father dies, the gets it, that's only when the father dies first. But if the son dies first, when the father dies, Nami less like the Lokech has no right to the field. Why? And here's the kicker. When you have two people on a field, one owns the goof of the karka, and one owns the paris, the usage of the karka. So says Rabbi Yechon, the Pshat in the Mishri is that the father gives the field to the son. The father retains for himself the Kenyana paris. So now, right now, no one can sell it, we said. Good. The father can sell his Paris if he wants, but he's not selling the field. The son can sell the field, but only if he eventually gets the Kenyan of Paris. If the son ends up, the father dies first, now the son gets the Kenyan of Paris. Then we say to Mafrey at work that it was his the whole time and he can go ahead and sell it. But if he never got the Kenyan of Paris, then the father who owns the Kenyan of Paris, the Kenyan of Paris is like a Kenyan Aguf, and therefore he prevents the son from ever being able to sell the field because the son never actually took full possession of this field. That's the Rabbi Yechonah learns it. Rishlokish says, no. It does work when the father dies, even if the son never got it. When the father dies eventually, the sale of the son works. Whether the son actually got to king in Paris, whether the father dies, whether the son dies first, why? Alma Kasavar, Rishlakish holds the Pshat is, Kinyana Paris love Kikinyana Guftami. And therefore, the fact that the father owns the usage of the field does not really prevent the son from selling the field. Yes, he cannot actually give the field to a Lokeach right now, because the father has the schus of the usage, but the son can sell from underneath the father the actual physical field, and whenever eventually the father gives up his usage rights, then it will go to the Lokeach. So we have a fundamental machlekes over here, B'yechon Rishlakish. B'yechon says, Kenya Peres, the father can prevent it, and Rishlakish says, no. Now let's translate that back to our case. In our case, the Isha had the husband had, which is the Kenyan Aguf. The husband had the Kenyan Paris. So who's the owner of the field? If you hold like a Yoichiran, Kenyan Paris, Kenyan Aguf, the owner of the field, at least for partially owner of the field, is the husband. And he can prevent the mother from giving it as a present or selling the field. It's his Nechse Maluk. With real king of Paris, the only thing I care about is who owns the physical field. Who owns the physical field here? The mother. She has the Kenyan Aguf in the Nechse Maluk, and therefore she'd be allowed to go ahead and give it as a present or sell it to anybody she wants. She can't take it away from her husband, but when eventually the marriage breaks up, the, the son should be able to get it. So this whole discussion of whether this field goes to the father or goes to the son in our story of Shmuel Bar Abba depends on how you bask it. And we know, says the Gemara, We know, this is one of the few cases in Shas, that when we have a machlekes of Shlakesh, we pass like Shlakesh. And therefore we paskin, Kenyana Paris is Lavka Kenyana Guftami. And therefore, who's the owner of the field? The mother. And if the owner of the field is the mother, she's allowed to give it to anybody she wants. So what's Pshat? And anybody who argues on it. The comer of Yirmi Rabba, 
And if Yirmiyah Rabba said, therefore, that if you're going to say, for some reason, she cannot sell it, which means you're passing like Rabbi Yechidon, but that's not the way we learn the Mishnah. Must be we pass like a shlokish and shot in the Mishnah over there, and therefore that's going to affect our psak halacha. And that was the view of Rabbah's final psak. So why did Rav Yehuda and Shmuel disagree? So I would committed to Rav Yehuda when they went to Rav Yehuda. Shmuel said, no, 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 no. You cannot compare the case of the father giving over the present to his son over there to our case of the Nechsimeluk. But we didn't explain why. Why not? My time. What's the difference? Some of Yosef says, I have to twist the mission a little bit. The case of our mission that we just discussed was a father writing to the son. Okay. What about if it was the case of the son writing to a father? The opposite case. A son writing to a father. Meaning, the Gemara is going to say the following svara. Then maybe it's different when a father writes to a son, because when a father writes to a son, there's a Yerusha behind the scenes that's always waiting to take effect. And it's not a question of Kenyan Aperiske, Kenyan Aguftami, or Lavke Kenyan Aguftami. It's a question of the son is always the next in line anyways. And since the son is always next in line anyways, that's why over here he's allowed to go ahead and sell the field to anybody he wants. But not because Kenyan Aperiske, Lavke Kenyan Aguftami, the father cannot prevent it because he has a Kenyan Aperiske. That's not the issue. Maybe the issue over here is because the son is next in line to Yerusha. And therefore, if it would have said the opposite, that when you write it to a son, writes it to the the father, who the Gemara assumes is not necessarily next in line, be Yerusha, then you would be right. You'd be able to be patient. Because why would the father be able to sell it if not for the fact that the son's Kenyan Paris is not prevented? Could sell it. It's nothing to do with Kenyan Paris, Kenyan Guf, or not. It has to do with the son is next in line, anyways. So since he's next in line, anyways, he, we allow him to sell it. Abayah says, what are you talking about? Atu bra yaris, abba, abba yaris bra. Yerusha works both ways. Just like a son is Yerusha father, a father can be Yerusha son. So if you tell me royally Yerusha makes you more of an owner and therefore you could sell it, then it will make no difference if it's the son to the father or the father to the son. They're both somewhat in the line for Yerusha. And if they're somewhat in line for Yerusha, it would work. Elamai, what's the case over here? Elamai, what's the case In all these cases, what's the point? The point is the father has a bunch of sons. He doesn't want all the sons to split this field. He wants one son out of the group to get it. So, the same thing would be in the opposite case. When the son is giving it to the father, he doesn't want his brother, he doesn't have his own children, he doesn't want it to go to anybody else. He's, and therefore, in both cases, whether it's father, son, or son, father, the idea is Yerusha is supposed to go to other people. You're trying to avoid Dina Yerusha by giving it as Matana. So you're giving it to your father, you're giving it to one of the sons. But all you're trying to do over there is avoid Dina Yerusha. So if it's a Yerusha halacha, the halacha would be the same. And therefore, back to our question, which is just like when it's Yerusha halacha, we clearly see Kenyan Paris Lavka Kenyan Aguf dummy, and whoever owns the Kenyan Aguf can go ahead and sell the field. So by Nich Simulag also, where the Isha owns the Kenyan Aguf, she should be able to give or sell the field to anybody she wants. Why is this different? Ella, Mayan, and the Mishnah saying, you know why Shmuel argues? 
Shmuel says, Mishum Takona Asa We have a special Takona they made in the Bezdan of Usha. Damar of Yeshe Berchanina, but Usha is Skinu. In the Bezdan of Usha, they made a bunch of Takonas. One of them was, Isha Shemachsa, Menichsa Milog, Bechayabalath. Isha tries to sell the Nichsa Milog, Umesa, and then she dies first. And as Rashi explains, this is a din called Eva. It doesn't create a good relationship in the marriage when she brings these Nichsa Milog as an Adunya, as a dowry into the marriage, and now she goes in and sells it off. Yes, it doesn't affect the husband right now. It only would affect the husband later that he doesn't get the Yerusha, but Lamaisa Chazal said, we are Almuah, the Shibuda of the husband. We consider the husband to be the actual owner, even though he only has a Kenyan of Paris. We consider him Ki'ilu, the Rabbanan. He has a Kenyan of and that's why he's allowed to prevent the wife from selling the field. And therefore, in this case, when, when the mother tried to give it to her son, Shmuel Rabbah, because of this Takonus Usha, it would work. It wouldn't work anyways. Kenyan Paris, it's Kenyan Guf, doesn't prevent it. But according to Shlokish, even if you're a king of Paris, king of Gufta, I mean, that is not applicable by Nixim Elug. But Nixim Elug, Chazal, prevent that from taking effect. We'll see much more details about Nixim Elug in Mitzvah Shem tomorrow.